Alright, hello and welcome to episode 62 of What We're Listening To, uh, a show where we share music with each other and talk about what we've been listening to and generally just have a bit of shenanigans. <laughs> I am Asher and with me always is Joshua Shoot the Mixer Short. <laughs> How are you doing? There have been some mixing <laughs> crimes this week for sure, yes. I'm looking forward to you expounding on this because I didn't actually ask you. <laughs> but I just got some angry uh, messages <laughs> about a certain album, which I'm sure we'll discuss at some point. It could maybe um, join our list for the second dishonorable mention that we have in our show's history. <laughs> yeah, sure. We'll see how we go. Um now, I'm too lazy to have come up with a quiz question, but you said you had one. Yes, I saw this during the week and I couldn't resist but kind of pop it away in the memory bank. Um, uh-huh. So uh, Marilyn's own uh, The Pixies um, mm-hmm. offered an official apology to Google this week. Um, uh, okay. Because their song, uh, Where Is My Mind, was doing something to the latest uh, issue of Google phones. What? Can you tell me what the song was doing to the phones, Asher? Uh, was it like, was Google listening into the where is and then like activating it, whatever those things are called, like whatever Siri is for Google? It is a voice activation thing, if that's your official guess. Yeah, that's, that's all I got. I've not heard this piece of news. Okay, so what's the what's the very first word in the song? Um, oh, we used to cover it. Yeah, we I'm did. To remember what, it starts with um, somebody yelling "stop" at the after like a little guitar intro, <laughs> right? That's right. And so every Google phone was taking this, and that is the command to cancel all notifications and alarms. And so uh. <laughs> people were having their phones basically just stop alerting them to things because. Of this Pixies song, which I find very funny. So why do the Pixies have to apologize for that? I guess they're just causing shenanigans. It's just kind of a funny thing. That is funny, though I would say that the Pixies have nothing to do with it's that. It's more Google's fault. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the Google phone problem. Stop. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. That's very interesting. Yeah, I I um I was listening to some podcast talking about um how people have been naming songs frequent like phrases that are used by like <laughs> Google devices um, just to try and get some hits on their songs on Amazon um, music oh, yeah. and stuff like That's that. That's kind of clever. <laughs> yeah, it is clever and um, it's a bit niche and funny and that sort of thing. I think the song that it earned like a huge amount of money was like poopy poopy but poo or something like that you know it was like kid kids had been saying stuff into their google home devices i don't know what they're sorry i don't know these is it alexa yeah i don't obviously have any but um yeah that's just a little bit of uh niche news niche facts Do you have any um, follow-up to do with last episode, which hasn't yet come out, but um, we'll get there. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, not a ton. I've been, I mean, rather jealous looking at all the the gigs Lankim has been playing around uh, the UK Mm. and Europe. They played two in France um, with John Flynn opening for them, which I would have been just really happy to go to, basically. Sounds like a dream. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Slow Dive had to postpone their gig here because of the drummer being unwell or something like yeah. that. Yeah. But I think that they are releasing something new this year. I thought I saw some some little news. So, yeah. You know, you win some, you lose some, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. But otherwise, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm catch-up-less. Catch yeah. Catch-up-less. I, at the top of the show, I, for some reason, well... I know a reason. I've been doing a lot of other music stuff over the past few weeks. And so my my reviews and my knowledge of what's going on is very scattered <laughs> at the moment. But uh, we're going to keep doing this anyway. So shall we uh, head into reviews? Yeah, let's do. Power Sweet. Three. 
Like I said, I've been listening to a huge amount of random stuff all over the place. And we've had a couple of like things on and so we haven't been able to record for a while. I think the first thing I sent you that I was going to review was the Silent Hill OST. Yeah. Um, which I might talk about on honourable mentions and stuff like that. But um, I've been jumping from thing to thing to thing. But I maybe because, yeah, I've just had lots of like performance stuff on lately. I've been gravitating towards pretty soft, subtle things. And so I wanted to chat about a soundtrack that I had mentioned a while back, I'm pretty sure, for the game Inside. Um, now, uh, Inside was made by a mm, Swedish, some European country um, uh, game, uh, game developing studio called Playdead, and uh, Inside is their second game. And I have found the soundtrack to this continuously fascinating um, because... I mean, it's a bit tied up in my enjoyment of this game mm. and the atmosphere and that sort of thing. And so I've been replaying it a little bit for like the third time. It's a it's a very clever game. It's it's dark and it's a bit sad, but it's got <laughs> a very I mean, it's on brand, right? It's it's, pre- it's pretty dark, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean it's very dystopian and um yeah, it's like a wordless kind of left to right on rails sort of platformer type thing with puzzles. And the music is very interesting because it's very sparse. Like it's, uh, if you were to look at the game's soundtrack, there is a lot of ambient noise, but there are moments where certain themes come in very, very, very subtle themes, just simple pad chords and atmosphere sounds. But I just appreciated the way that this was pulled off because you can do it in a really boring way. Like you can just go, oh, let's just find a pad that works really well here and just chuck it on top. But um, the music was done by two people, uh, Soas Gunveriberg and Martin Stig Anderson. Now, interestingly, the music was never officially released. Like... Um, there's a Bandcamp album, but it's not being released like their other mm. games. But there is a um, someone's kind of like extracted the audio and it's on SoundCloud. So there's like sound effects and stuff in it when you listen to it. But um, it's there is one track that's been released by uh, Martin Stick Anderson, and that one I told you is kind of one of the main ones to listen to. Um, I guess the interesting thing is that. You know, with like games, how they respond to what's happening on the screen often. Mm. Um, this one I found really interesting. It's called Shockwave, and it's it's focused around this like explosion sound which happens in the game, and it's kind of part of the original soundtrack. Like it kind of it hits, and then there's swells of sound, and then when you start succeeding at that puzzle that shockwave sound is then turned into something new that's like a percussive sort of thing for the next section and the music becomes major and more kind of finalised. So it's a very, just that sequence in the game and that piece of music stood out to me as going, wow, like, okay, they thought really hard about how to sonically, you know, encourage the player in a wordless game sort of thing, if you know what I mean. And so... Yeah, I found this quite interesting. Did you get to listen to that track? Uh, yeah, yeah, I did. I it's been a while since I played the game. Maybe like five, six years. Yeah, um, twenty sixteen. But it definitely. Uh, I mean, I remember the game itself, but also hearing these tracks again, along with the sound effects that were coded into them, um, mm-hmm. definitely like tweaked my memory. Especially the, the lightning one, um, and the yep. and the the percussion the 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 noise bomb one, um, yeah. And it is what it was is the a lightning one. Uh, I forget what it's called. It's like what is like one where you're like running through a field, and there's like the strikes of thunder and lightning that kind of miss you. Oh that kind right. Of stuff. Um, hmm. But for yeah, it's for such a because the game's also like black and white mostly. Um, yeah, very muted, like saturated colors. Yeah, and so the it's the these kind of uh, 
differences in the tone when the music kind of kicks in that actually really stick out. And Hmm. um, like, I remember very clearly playing the level where you're running from like cover to cover, trying to escape these giant um, noise explosions as they're happening. And like, it's like, it's very vivid. And like the soundtrack is like really key to that. And um, Hmm. I mean, you're right. That's often not the case in a lot of, a lot of mainstream media, a lot of um, modern games kind of just music along when they can. Um, yeah, like very advanced ones like uh, Alien Isolation are very interesting in the way that they program in their music. Um, but yeah, generally it's kind of like there's a piece of music which might loop um, and relate a bit to it and there are cues. But I found this quite interesting in the whole composition of the piece that it's linked the puzzles yeah and yeah it's just interesting it's like pieces like submarine 2 really convey that like deep water feel like these low kind of almost whale like sounds um and it really matches it, it's quite clever because in that puzzle you're trying to get through a vent which only opens every now and then <laughs> and so it's like this synth filter kind of rises up every time and it's like matching this feel of waves So I feel like on the surface this can kind of seem like a bit of a boring soundtrack, but its subtlety is the part which is so complex (laughs) in my mind. Yeah. So yeah, I just wanted to give it a bit of time and mention it. I really hope they release it on Bandcamp or vinyl or something sometime (laughs) soon. I would appreciate that, but, you know, that's okay. I can't get everything I want. Yeah. No, I think it's good. Yeah. The... You unlocked a memory in me of like I used to when like daily mind games like Wordle were really popular. I used to play one with um, like video game soundtrack music, and mm. um, one day it was the uh, like the victory um, anthem that plays at the end of like an Overwatch game. Um, okay, and it's yeah. a it's a ten second loop, and. The music file was nine minutes long of just this 10 second loop over and over <laughs> again. You know, like, like, I don't know, maybe like feel so much cheaper about this, this piece of music rather than like actually having anything else around it to hang on to that. It really is mm. just like a, like a ringtone or like a clip and it's just kind of, um, it's like music could be so much more when you when you want to approach it differently, like you do in this, on this, yeah, yeah. On this soundtrack. And interestingly, um, I mean, this is this was one of my honorable mentions that fits here. Like, interesting that you're like listening to things while you're you know doing Wordle and that sort of thing. When I've reread Simon Stalinhag's work, I've been listening to his music while I read it, mm-hmm. like and. That's been cool because the first time I didn't have any of his albums when I was first reading his books. And the second time, like, it really adds a lot to it. And now when I listen to his albums, I'm picturing the different stories, like the four different books. And I finally picked up his two latest ones. Um, And, yeah, like the Labyrinth album and another one um, just last week. And, yeah, it's fascinating music and really adds to the story. Um, like he manages to convey that 90s feel, like he's often writing music on a Pentium and like a Pentium tracker, which sounds laborious to say the least. Um, and it just adds that retro vibe to these books and that sort of thing. So I think that, I mean, obviously I'm biased. I think music can go a huge way, like a long way when it comes to visual media. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, gush, gush, gush. Agreed. Yeah. Now, you've been listening to something vastly different, uh, Josh Ritter. Yes. And um, I didn't get a chance to hear this. Is this a new one of his? Yes, this came out last week. Um, and I've been paying a little bit of attention to it. I hadn't listened to too much. Um, mm-hmm. But I was after going through the number of things that have come out, this is one of the standouts um, for me. Yeah. Um, so a little bit of history. I... I've been a, a Ritter fan for quite some time and there's been a bit of an evolution in his music where maybe like two to three albums ago, mm. um, he went through a divorce and 
Um, okay. The tone of his music has changed quite a bit, actually. Like a lot of his earlier stuff, a little more country. Um, the production's much warmer. Like there's not as much space or um, like it's, it feels much more acoustic-y. Like it feels more down to earth. And these kind of newer albums, um, they they feel a little more... Um, yeah, I don't know quite the word. Like modern is not quite right. Um, but they've lost some of that kind of down to earth feel. Not that it's like horrifically depressed anymore. Because this actual this new album is actually quite uplifting compared to the one um from a couple of years ago. Um hmm. uh and it seems like I don't know, I guess this happens to people. A lot of the songs in this album are more about um his kids than just kind of about him. Um, hmm. and like part of me really misses the the more like Dylan-esque inventive storytelling nature of his music like mm-hmm. like making yeah. up tales about people living in a bunker or um, you know famous actor like, like just making up stories but these are more yeah. kind of meditations on like what it's like to be alive what it's like to have his daughter that kind of stuff um yeah uh that being said after i gave it a go or two i found myself really enjoying this album actually um Hmm. so it's a little more kind of it's a little uh a little more slow than his earlier stuff and a little more um more produced but i still um particularly the first half like one tracks one to five one to four um, I really enjoyed myself actually going through them. Um, mm. Yeah, I don't know what <laughs> to say. Um, no, no, it's cool. Yeah, I haven't, like, did you give me an album of his? Yeah, a long the, time ago. Which one was that? Was that The Animal Years? Or was that because... Yes, this is the one I gave you. <clears throat> yeah, because I, I'd heard a couple of songs off that. And I think it was you who introduced me to him. <laughs> and... Yeah, it's a very that I can imagine that being a very different thing going from this very yeah, folky storyteller sort of thing to a bit more personal. Um it it looks cool. I like to have a listen. What like um spectral lines, what does that have to do with? I'm actually not sure. I I should do some more reading about it. Um okay. I kind of tend to avoid um reading interviews if I'm going to listen to an album. It's kind of a weird reverse psychology thing for me, but Oh um, no, I'm exactly the same. Yeah. I get that. I but yeah, definitely give it a go. I think um in terms of like the pantheon of Josh Ritter albums, I this is actually quite an enjoyable one. And so I've been mm. coming back to it more and more. Um cool. Yeah. Especially as the spring kind of turns up. But that's yeah. That's it for me for sure. No, that's lovely. I am adding it to my listening list. <laughs> Uh, although it is cold and wet here at the moment, so I might save it for later. <laughs> you wonder why I've been listening to depressing OSTs. You yeah. know? Any soundtrack can get your hands on. Um, yep. All right. Homework time? Homework. Yeah, let's do it. Yes, I thought it was time for something Canadian again. And um, one of the weirder tour de forces in Canadian indie music is the mm-hmm. band, the broken social scene. Um, having uh, told Asher to uh, wiki their band member list. He now understands a little yeah. bit of what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> if, if I thought for a moment you were going to be in the list of band members, <laughs> uh, a friend of mine has played on stage with them a couple of times, actually. Um, cool. But there was a joke that like, if you played guitar in an indie band, you were probably in the broken social scene at some point in Canada. Um, and yeah, so that the, they're a bit of a conglomerate with a couple major songwriting forces behind them. And they kind mm. of put out these albums every so often. And probably my favorite one, which I think is their th- third album, um, mm. which is self-titled. Um, I decided yeah. to get to Asher because I felt like he could do something a little bit uplifting. Um, yeah, yeah. Is, it this, is very uplifting. Yeah, this is kind of like the more... 
the more pop half of the alternative pop of like the early 2000s in Canada. Yeah. Um, mm. But it's, it's an interesting album and it's got some great collaborations on it. Like it's got um, like Feist and um, oh, nice. ha- half of Metric who are like pretty famous in Canada. It's got a whole bunch of mm. names on it, which, I've, which are great in my opinion. Um, so yeah, what did you think about the broken social scene in a show? Yeah, so this kind of took me back in time a little bit. Like it felt, there were a few bands around Sydney, you know, when I was first living here in like 2007, eight, who remind me a lot of this. Mm. Um, there was a band called Sleepy Hands, um, who I don't think exists anymore. It also reminds me a little bit of the Middle East. Like okay. um, different singers, like kind of like very uh, weak vocals in some way. I don't mean that badly, but I just mean a bit wispy. A bit Airy, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like, and that it changes and you've got different kind of styles between songs and like the Middle East discography kind of switches. You know, you have one song written by one person that's like upbeat and country and then the next one's like a, a dirge and the next one is something like. So it just kind of remind me of that. So I, yeah, I totally, I really respect this band because they've got like unconventional vocals and instruments and structures. Um, it's like not boring at all to listen to. <laughs> yeah, even in the first song, there's like, I thought that we'd switch songs, but it's just second half that has a very little resemblance to the first half. Um, it's kind of like great brass sounds and plucky instruments mm. and, like interesting samples which cut off awkwardly like they've sampled something but it's not like a neat sample it's kind of like a quick you know you can hear the kind of at the end of it um so some parts remind me of funeral do you reckon i mean i can like, I, I can see that i don't actually you had a funeral come out and it might be before this probably close to it i don't know this is 2005 um, I don't know when Funeral came out. Be Maybe about. it's just the Canadian thing that I'm like, oh, you know, they're very close to each other. No, I can get that. 2004. It has that definite feeling of um, like like a conglomeration, like 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 early uh, Fire, uh, Arcade Fire did. Like it feels like there's multiple voices and performances yeah. happening at once. It's very... Um, yeah. natural feeling yeah so i really love these are some of the w- ones i really loved i like the first track our faces faces split the coast in half seven four shoreline obviously is a lot of fun and mm. a good hit like it's just a great feel fire-eyed boy was great um uh super connected and i really love the last track like mm. it's all gonna break very very cool um I noticed that there's a lot more songs on the Bandcamp version than the Spotify version. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, and know I didn't actually that. listen to the Bandcamp version. And um, yeah, which is not usually what I do. Um, you the song. There's a song called Canada versus America. <laughs> I I mean, it's quite a long album as it is, um, and it was just, I suppose, better to listen to the 14 tracks. But like, they all were, yeah, very different than each other. I like the kind of screaming and it's all gonna break and just the the raucousness of it um it's very clever very creative kind of pop punky at times Mm. um no i really didn't feel like this like i thought this was really good all the way through i don't think that i loved all of the vocal styles but you know that's fine um yeah no, I just really enjoyed it. I enjoyed. I, I might pick that up soon on right. Bandcamp because it's it's cool. I, yeah, I I don't have like tons more insightful things to say <laughs> except that if you're looking for something like upbeat and feel good, even if it has some like moody lyrics at time, check this out. Yeah, for sure. Are they still a band? Uh, I mean, as much as they ever were is kind of my answer to that question. <laughs> Um, they put out something during the pandemic. Um, uh, okay, yeah. Like every like that. four Old, or five dead, years, young. they put out an album. Yeah. Um, okay. And they're generally well-received. I don't actually have a ton of uh, other listening time other than this one particular album because this is what uh, me and my brother had on CD 
um, back mm. in 2005. Um, mm-hmm. This is kind of the only one we had. Yeah, that's fair. I get that. <laughs> no, very cool. Thanks for that. Yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I, um, yeah, I did. I think some of the jump parts, especially 7-4, um, are really interesting and they... Um, it's kind of one of those ways of like you can build a song around a rhythm part without it being mm. like a, I don't know, like a, a Meshuggah drum part where it just kind of <laughs> dominates everything. <laughs> oh, for sure. Um, it's like the first time I heard, you know, our mutual friend Johnny's Trees song, which is in 5 4. Mm. Um, I, that was one of the first times I heard like, oh, cool, like this odd time signature is a part of the song. Like it helps you understand the melody and stuff. So, yeah, yeah. and it can be like very exciting and kind of adds to that feeling I think that they're going for. So, no, I really dig it. Thanks for this, man. It's right. My pleasure. Um, now, I haven't even talked to you since I gave you your homework. <laughs> but, I, no, as in like I haven't even texted to be like, oh, yeah, you remember it's the Arvo part one? Mm-hmm. So I think just as a random, I've had this on my list. Uh, so I'm a big Arvo part fan, Arvo Pert, however you want to say his name. is. He's an Estonian minimalist composer, like a bit avant-garde. He's like writes a lot of um, religiously influenced music. Yeah. And um, I gave Josh uh, one of his kind of like more orchestral pieces called It's a Setting of Tedeum, um, and it's recorded with like an Estonian orchestra and choir <laughs> and um, I think it's Paul Hillard is his like conductor and stuff like that. So just a quick little uh, history of Avopart. He was like kind of atonal avant-garde and then he took a break from that and came back with his little his own uh, style called Tintinabuli, which is like to do with this, the ringing of bells. Okay. And it's it's a compositional thing where like one voice only moves in the triad of the key and the other voice moves around the scale and it kind of creates a lot of unity within it. And so his piece Furalina was like one of his um, first pieces. It's very short. But I thought I'd give you this just because it's got a lot of the dynamics and all mm. the interesting stuff in it and... There are so many pieces of his which are great, but I thought I'd give you this because it's kind of like, and maybe because it's cold here, I was thinking of that. But <laughs> what did you think of today? I'm sorry to give you something so esoteric, but you know. Uh, no, I, um, I, I feel like you make him sound more esoteric than this piece actually is, maybe. Okay, good. Because um, you're right in that it's more orchestral and much more, um, choral in its uh, in its undertaking. Um, mm. Yeah, I, I must admit my ignorance of like how to describe classical pieces is going to shine a little bit. Where no, it's fine. Um, you have me listened mostly to the first two tracks on this um, album, and yes, the first yeah, just one the is today. Um, yeah, what's it? Thirty eight minutes. Yeah, it's just a uh, twenty eight. It's just minutes. a half hour piece. And then the Which second is actually one, pretty short for like an orchestral piece in some ways. Yeah. Um, so the in terms of like what the piece actually does, it's quite a subtle build until the last like four to five minutes, um, <laughs> which are I think <laughs> yeah I I love the ending. I um, I was blown cool. away by it the first time I heard it. Like, well, those violins. <laughs> yeah, like the first, like the first half of the piece is kind of I don't know. I wasn't like paying huge attention to it. I'm not a huge mm-hmm. fan of people singing in Latin all the time. Um, um, but then this, when, the, when that when that major piece picks up at the end, um, yeah, that's incredible. Like that's, um, hmm. that's cool. some of the best musical crescendos I've heard in a very long time. With a classical mm. piece, um, yeah, quite remarkable, really. Um, yeah, it's it's really interesting because you're right in that the first part of the song is like kind of one big long build, and he goes back and forth between loudish sections and then very quiet choral stuff. Mm. But right at the end, there he kind of has those violins just like 
sitting on their quavers with all the choir and the piano and the rest of the orchestra kind of moving around it. And yeah, it is very big at that point. And yeah, ends on a happier note than the first part of the piece. Yeah. 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 I like it. I don't know. It's kind of one of those like, um, like bombastic endings to a piece that you don't really expect until it happens. You know, like then it makes perfect sense around what's, what's been going on. Um, mm. yeah, I don't know. I, I really just really enjoyed that. Um, the last half especially. And then nice. Um, I went through a couple of the other pieces. Um, there were like one or two moments that stood out to me, but by and large, this like the the first one is uh, easily the most standoutish of the collection. Um, yeah, yeah. Although Siloan's song, um, which is the second piece, is just a five minute piece. It, I think this became quite popular. It just kind of convey. It's like similar to. Oh, there's a piece that's always used <laughs> on the nature of daylight, I think. It's just kind of like, you know, every now and then there's a, quote, classical piece which kind of makes it into <laughs> film, you know. And I feel like this one is quite famous of his because it it's quite modern in its harmonies and all that sort of thing. I found that okay. the really deep parts of this are quite interesting. But, um, yeah, I it the today today is kind of the name of the album and the biggest piece on that i suppose yeah do you know any of um, the religious context of it sorry no i don't so i i i was like oh i should look up today <laughs> i know that today is a text um that's used in all different ways by um different composers um uh, so Avapert is a part of the Estonian Orthodox Church. Okay. Um, but I'm just looking it up now. So Tadeum is uh, a a Latin Christian hymn ascribed to someone who wrote it in 387 AD. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's a while ago. Um, <laughs> just a bit. And so I think people have set it, you know, uh, I think, oh, yeah, translation from the Book of Common Prayer. I'll have to look it up a little bit more. I um, I just know about it, but I've not really looked into it too much. Yeah, for sure. So the, hymn, the hymn follows the outline of the Apostles' Creed, mixing poetic vision of heavenly liturgy with its declaration of faith. Interesting. So, yeah, he, he's very influenced, like, in by religious texts, but often sets them in very different ways. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, but he's also written like pieces for um, Anish Kapoor, like and his sculptures. Like he's he's done all sorts of interesting things like that. Mm. And um, to give you maybe a little bit of language, some of the choir stuff in this is a bit. Um, it is like very hymn-like in that it's not polyphonic, like lots of melodies. Everyone's moving with the same rhythm but singing, you know, kind of these block chords, which is very simple and very minimalistic. And that's the, I suppose, the bit that's a bit esoteric because um, usually choirs are like in embracing all these like very fluid movements, but his is very like angular, I suppose. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I'm talking a lot about it, but... No, no, that's helpful. Is there anything else that stood out to you or something? No, no, no. I, I mean... Um... Like again, most of the kind of classical music I listen to is like new romantic solo piano kind of stuff. So this is interesting to. I've I've really really listened to an orchestral piece, so it's nice to kind of get out of that box. Uh, hmm, yeah, guess how I put it. No fair. I I stumbled upon him when I was at uni, looking at minimalism, um, and like, you know, got a bunch of his scores out of the library just to kind of look over them they're very interesting mm. um and yeah this was one that stood out and i thought i'd give you something a little bit different so that's, that's yeah fair. i'm glad you glad you found it beautiful Jeez. shall we move on to our honorable mentions and maybe a dishonorable we'll yes see. yes <laughs> okay uh the first is kind of a just an ad I mentioned um, is it the uh, re-release of the Talking Heads movie? 
Um, oh, I'm surprised you brought that up. Yeah. I mean, it actually has one of the few Talking Heck songs I actually enjoy on it, but the um, I don't actually know a ton about it. I know that it was originally released in the 80s, and it was, like, mm. very niche. Um, and this like, is Stop Making Sense, right? Yeah, and there was, like, a call for it to be, like, remastered and re-released um, in the last couple of years, and so it's being kind of put out on, I'm sure, like, some theaters and that kind of stuff. But um, Yeah. Is it A24 that are doing it? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Yep, it is. I mean, just, just David what, Byrne continuing to be an interesting person, I guess. <laughs> um, what's the song you like of Talking Heads? Uh, I mean, there's a couple. I like um, same as it as it was. What's the song? <laughs> Once in a Once Lifetime. In a lifetime. Yep. Uh, yeah, this must be the voice. I don't know if I know that one. Yeah, I and mean, it's a bit interesting, um, obviously, being a Talking Heads song. But I guess it's it's much more... It's one of their more digestible tracks. This must be the place for sure. Yeah, sure. <laughs> anyway, I thought yeah, I'd... you always <laughs> you always used to tease Psycho Killer. <laughs> that song's so so stupid. <laughs> well, he does the version. I think it's on uh, "Stop Making Sense," where it's just him and a cassette player on stage, like playing the drums. Anyway. I, I think know, that's it. I don't know what to make of that man sometimes. Um, okay, next. <laughs> uh, yes, there's been a new um, Foo Fighters song came out. Um, oh, no way. Yeah, so I thought like I'd give it a listen to see kind of what's happening, especially since the uh, Taylor Hawkins passed away during the mm. pandemic. Um, it's been a while since I've enjoyed a Foo Fighters album. Um, probably since like in your honor from like 2000 and something. Um, and I actually really enjoyed Fine. this single, um, a lot. I've, mm. it's, it's got some of, it's still got some of their, like their newer production elements, which aren't so great, but it has a lot mm. of that energy that I think they've been missing. Um, and there's obviously all this like, oh, who's playing drums like floating around like all these magazines and put out articles. Um, it, it, interestingly, it does sound to me like somebody is trying to imitate the previous drummer's style a little bit, which could be Dave or it could be okay. like a hired hand like Josh Freeze or something like that. But I think it's, um, we'll see, I guess. But the yeah, the track's quite hmm. solid. I, I really enjoyed it actually. Um, yeah. For sure. That's cool. I've got it here to listen to. The Foo Fighters. Um, what else? <laughs> so, uh, that is such a niche. That's Dave. Oh, uh, no, Christopher Walken, right? Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, Foo Fighters. Uh, so, the, there's, a, there's a famous interview with um, yes. David and Taylor, and they're talking about like playing for oh, SNL. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And they said, uh, We knew Christopher Walken was going to introduce us, and so he came and asked us. Um, yes, how, is the emphasis on the food? Or <laughs> emphasis the on the food or the fighters, and they said, uh, "You figure it out, basically." <laughs> and so there's a clip of him you saying, "It's Foo Fighters" when he introduces yeah. them. It's like, oh my goodness, it's brilliant. Oh, I love that, Chris. Um, yeah, probably. Did, um, sorry, on that note, did you ever watch their film? They're like horror film. No. <laughs> No, I, I did not. I didn't either, but I was just interested. They've been doing some weird stuff, man. I didn't watch the horror movie, and I didn't listen yeah. to their weird disco album. Oh, that's that was right. so strange. Their Bee Gees cover album. Hi. Yeah. Um, strange people. So, like, I don't know. It's pretty funny. Like, a lot of the bands are, like, pretty silly guys. And one of the guitarists is a pretty cool dude called Pat Smear, um, who played a lot with Nirvana back in the day and was part of mm. a band called the Screaming Trees. Like he's like early, early grunge scene. And he's like a pretty hardcore dude. And mm. I think out of the band, he's probably the one who takes himself just a little bit more seriously as a musician. And so mm. when they're like doing these disco songs and they have like these like flared shoes and sparkly pants and all that kind of stuff. I think he was just a little bit unhappy about it. So I kind of feel bad for him. <laughs> oh man, that's funny. Um, yeah, but an album I have been also really enjoying. 
um, which is, you know, kind of um, a little bit up my very niche alley, is the um, latest release from Scottish bagpipist Breacha Campbell. Um, ah, yes, I remember them. So we talked about them a little bit a long time ago. Um, she plays what is called the Scottish small pipes. So it's not as gregarious and harsh as the main stream bagpipes you would hear and associate mm. with Scotland. Um, it's a little higher in the timber, much closer to um, traditional Irish bagpipes, in my opinion. Um, right. But Miss Campbell is a bit of a, um, what's the word? Um, I mean, a professional, but she's kind of like bringing this art back to uh, musical culture and she's really good at it. And Mm. um, it's not quite like jigs or reels and it's not quite like weird ambient music, but it's kind of a mix in between. Well, she'll I do, think I'd like that. Yeah, it, like the, these songs that move with some rhythm, but the, it's all in mm. the pipes, and I've been—I just love it. Like it's such a a weird thing, and I completely understand that. Um, yeah, but I love it, man. It's it calls to my my ancient Scottish soul, which I don't know <laughs> if it exists or not, but it's there somewhere. Yeah, I keep wondering when you get on the move. <laughs> <laughs> if if you ever see me buy a pair of bagpipes, you know I'm in trouble. Okay, that's all I'm gonna say. I'll just encourage it. I will be your patron <laughs> of the bagpipes. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Breacha Campbell. I think she's awesome, and she's released like three albums in two years. So she's working hard. Um, yeah, totally. Yeah. And then last but not least, there is a new release from the National, um, <laughs> which I haven't watched. Anthony's video yet? <laughs> I mean, so you know, but I did read that Reddit post, which was quite funny. Um, if previous national albums were too exciting, upbeat, and interesting, this is the record for you, I guess. Um, <laughs> An orb. <laughs> I just, I, yeah, it's just terrible. Like I don't, I don't really understand why it's so bad. Like. Nothing has drastically changed about the band or their ability. Like nobody's died, nobody is no like tension. Um, but it's just terrible. Like I, I could um the the way it's been put together is like tinny and awful to listen to. Like it sounds like it's been mixed for like Apple AirPods, you know, it's this is terrible. And then there's no life in any of the songs, man. I, yeah, I can't hack it. Um, Fantana gave it a two out of ten. I think that's about right. Okay. There, there's you like see, I feel like I have, haven't listened enough. But there's one song that's half enjoyable. There's one song that's like a little bit like a boxer track, but just worse in every way. But like even then, that's better than like every other song on the album. Um, Which track is that? Oh, what is the one? Um, it's called uh, Grease in Your Hair. Um, okay. But even like, I don't know, all, like all the features, like Taylor Swift and Phoebe Bridgers mm. and Sufjan Stevens, like they don't they don't bring anything. Um, I guess Taylor brings the most. She's the only one that had like a part in actually writing a song with right. them. Other people just kind of showed up and did whatever. Um mm. The one with Sufjan honestly just feels like it's high violet. Like, because he's just singing like some BVs in the chorus and like it's not really that much of a feature, more of like a... Yeah. Literally, he was on high violet doing the same thing and they didn't go featuring Sufjan Stevens. So, like like DJ, DJ Khaled does better features than this. Oof, that is, that is a burn. Like he, he actually like uses a person when they're featured in a song kind of thing. I thought that Phoebe Bridges' voice was really lovely on this. Like, so, like, I haven't listened through it a few times. I've listened through it once, and I, I like, I'm reserving my judgment for the moment um, because I don't want to be spouting off because I haven't heard it properly. <laughs> um, the thing that I noticed was that I second this to you. I found that all the songs had exactly the same structure, pretty much. Yeah. Like, um, and I got a little bit bored. Like. You know, I found that 
by the second chorus, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm cool. I'm just going to listen to the next one. I don't usually skip tracks, maybe because I was trying to just hear the the general vibe of it, but I just noticed that it was consistently intro, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, yeah. something, chorus. And I also noticed that some of the piano parts were just like very long way from England. Like I love the England riff. I thought that was a beautifully written part. It's not complex, but it's unique. And I just felt like some of the piano parts on this were very boring. So I don't know. Uh, Look, I'll reserve judgment. I'm not (laughs) saying it. I I won't. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man. Well, you know, we'll see. I'm I'm disappointed in like... Like there's something. But were you ever hopeful? <laughs> I mean, even their like last album had some life on it. This just doesn't. I I would prefer an album to be bad rather than boring, and this is just boring. Mm. Yeah. Um, at That's least when it's bad, you can like ask questions and kind of take it apart. This is just like falling asleep. Hmm. <laughs> Okay, well, I'll revisit it next time and let you know if I've made any progress on my thoughts. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Anyways. But, yeah, fair enough. Well, I've got a couple of ons, if you finished. Please. <laughs> um, I mentioned the Silent Hill soundtrack. Um, uh, for some reason, I wanted to play it and listen to the music. And it's quite interesting. It's kind of like Japanese noise stuff. Um, <laughs> some of it is quite uh, a bit dated in its like MIDI sounds and that sort of thing, but other parts are quite interesting. So, um, yeah, I'll chuck that in the show notes. Um, the uh, this is just a silly one that I'll get over the way out of the way. The low five low five pops that <laughs> I sent you. <laughs> so, for some reason, t- this week I was hearing like a low five pop version of Creep. Uh, and, you know, a lo-fi pop version of um, Other Side by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> and it's just the most dull music. Like, I really like lo-fi music when it's just kind of not trying to cover songs. Even I've listened to like Undertale lo-fi, which was okay, but I'd rather just it be its own thing. This was just a bit funny. <laughs> <laughs> you got to laugh out of this too. Yeah, I mean... Like, there's different merits to, like, how you cover a music. Um, Yeah. And, like, being transformative is definitely one of them. Um, Transforming (laughs) it into elevated music, I think, is so funny, though. (laughs) Like, I also like lo-fi music, but it's just, like, it's not supposed to hold your attention. And these songs are, like, like famous pieces. You know, yeah, it, it's amusing, isn't it? Yeah. It kind of feels like, yeah, knockoffs of like brands, you know. Yeah, you found well, how would you turn Andy Frank Sinatra this? into a lo fi song? I don't <laughs> understand. Was that the La Rose one? That was a Fly Me to the Moon of that list you sent. Oh, uh, was that Fly Me to the Moon? It's been really funny. I think on socials they've brought up like, you know, there's medieval lo-fi music and Lord of the Rings lo-fi music. And you're like, what are we doing right now? I do love bardcore, I will say that. Everything is cake. Um, yeah. Anyway, that was just a side note. Um, one that this is a more serious one. So uh, John Ringhofer of Half Hand of Cloud put me onto a experimental artist he likes or sorry, uh, experimental artist that he knew um, and has listened to their stuff and I think likes it, um, called Sad Gods, which is um, uh, two people, James and Jonathan from California, and they've been releasing some really interesting stuff. It's kind of like a mixture of um, kind of like soundscape and experimental stuff And I've been chatting back and forth with them on socials and just, um, you know, uh, getting some mixing uh, tips too, which is cool. Um, They use a lot of like tape sort of stuff and they've been releasing their work on tape, which is really beautifully done. Um, They've got a great aesthetic style to it. And um, they just released one listening mask in April, 
which is beautiful. I'm still listening through it, but it's very cool. And interesting kind of like connection is, um, so they really enjoy um, Phil Elvram of Mount Erie. Yeah. And one of their songs, Brother Dragon, uh, uh, is a shout out to Mount Erie's song Dragon. And they just released for Bandcamp Friday a compilation featuring Mount Erie, which is very cool. Oh, cool. So um, uh, where is it? I'm not quite, yeah, it's like their song Dragon. So um, I just picked that up yesterday and it's quite a cool compilation of different noise experimental artists um, which go towards a um, non-profit uh, studio gallery um, that promotes creative growth of um, artists uh, whose lives are impacted by mental illness and disability. So, mm. um, yeah, very cool um, project. And I've just enjoyed listening to their work and just wanted to give them a shout out and check out their stuff. I found it pretty peaceful. The first track I bought was this 30 minute song called Held, which is like ocean sounds and that sort of thing. So, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's good working music and interesting to listen to. So, check them out. There's some birds fighting outside my room. <laughs> but that is me. That's that's our little episode, 62. Did you want to uh, send us out? Sure. Yes. Um, thank you for listening to episode 62. Um, we've been a bit, uh, what's the word, held up in the month of April and May. But we'll, <laughs> I promise, get back on rough schedule. <laughs> it's a... It's a fluid schedule. It's a fluid schedule. Um, yes. So yes. Again, thank you for listening. Um, we obviously love talking music and love sharing stuff. Um, please make sure to check out the bands we talked about. We have a playlist available on our website and on Spotify mm-hmm. of all the things that we've talked about, so you can listen along. Um, mm-hmm. We also have social media like your Instagram, Twitter. Um, feel free to throw us any music you're thinking is interesting or upcoming or. Um, you want us to talk about we love getting suggestions Um, Mm -hmm. and if not thanks again for listening leave us a review if you like and I'll see you next time Asher yeah for sure man catch you around